It's time for JT the Brick. I love my job. I love the opportunity that I can come in here and talk to the Raider Nation. Talk to JT. As we are rolling on on the biggest topic in the NFL. This is nothing to dive into and look crazy about. Have we lost our bleeping mind? Look, the elephant in the room is the majority of our audience are Raider fans. And they would like the Raiders to win now. They don't want to rebuild. They don't care about two or three years. The last 20 plus years have been hard and they're sick of it. Excuses die. The record stands. JT the Brick. Are you kidding me? It's an absolute free-for-all with the Raiders on national radio debate shows. Everybody now is throwing blank up against the wall. No, no, no. Who are you listening to? Who's putting this in your head? But what happens next is what should this team do that's responsible, not reckless, makes sense, and could kind of thread the needle and get this team back to greatness. Are you with me on that? Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. And now, sound off like you got a pair. Here's JT the Brick. All right, welcome back. Hour number two on the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio. Thanks for listening, everybody. We thank our proud partners who put this show together, including Resorts World, Scott Sabella's vision of a high-end resort on the Casino Corridor, Doghouse Saloon, our place to be, Zook, the nightclub, the pools are open. If you haven't been to Resorts World, head on down to the best cigar bar in town, 8 Cigar Lounge, more and more restaurants are opening, unbelievable concerts, tremendous concerts in their unbelievable concert hall. One of the best I've been to. The sound is incredible, eclectic. Everybody head on out to Resorts World. We'll be doing our Monday night football show again this year, which it seems like a long way away. But this year, the Raiders are going to have a lot of high-profile games. All right, if you're joining us late, uh, second hour of the show, feels like the Raider Nation's on vacation today. Really good day for the phones, but I guess everybody's tweeting me instead. We haven't heard from one Raider fan on the news on Jimmy Garoppolo here today. So if you don't have an opinion on it, that's good. Because I don't have any clickbait for you. The guy's hurt, had a foot procedure after he came from the Niners to get that cleaned up. Whatever they're doing, the doctors will tell us. Josh McDaniels was asked about it earlier today in his press conference. There's a number of guys. You won't see him today. There's a number of guys that you're not going to see. Again, I'm not going to – you'll see him. I mean, I'm not going to run down a list every time here, but – you know, no, he's he's going through his process just like we knew he would. Um, nothing has happened that would surprise us based on, you know, the information we had. Same thing with Tyree. Again, you know, there's a number of guys you're not going to see out there today. So, um, you know, rehabbing the things that they're rehabbing. And, again, we know we don't play a game for over 100 days. So, um you know they're doing everything they can do to to get right, and when they're all ready to go, then eventually they'll be, they'll be back on the field. Yeah, he he seems pretty comfortable that he'll be back on the field. Uh, the most important thing is training camp. Can they get him back here? And as of today, we're assuming a lot of people didn't know this was coming that he's going to be ready by training camp. That's the angle we're going to play here until we hear anything else. Could be. I mean, I'd say with all these guys, it's about the same. Like I said, when they're ready. Um, some of them may be ready, you know, before the, the spring is over. Some of them may not, you know, and, and again, we're always going to air at this time of the year on being smart. Um, you know, we don't play a football game till, like I said, three and a half months. So, um, to try to rush them out there to get them out there in May, I mean, it's, that's a, you know, it's a poor decision. So, um, doing a great job. All these guys are doing a great job with what they can do in terms of the rehab, they're in all the meetings, you know, all the football things that they can do that, you know, uh, aren't aren't jeopardizing anybody's ability to be ready to go here for the season. Uh, they're doing all those things, and 
Uh, the guys that aren't out there, like I said, they'll just, you know, as soon as they're ready, they'll be there. So the problem here, and there's only a small problem, and it's for us and the media or talk show hosts doing what I do, is that you love to talk about the quarterback. The quarterback's the really big topic that we talk about. Now, you can have a winner in Aaron Rodgers, and it can be very dramatic, right? It feels like it's a soap opera every day with him. You're not going to get that from Jimmy Garoppolo, even if he's 100% healthy. He doesn't talk much. No one knows where he is. You don't see him out. He's the type of guy, he could be in Chicago, I wouldn't know. Or he could be at the Raider facility. He's a quiet guy. But this type of year, you know, everyone's talking about Tua in Miami. Josh Allen in Buffalo. You go around the league, Lamar Jackson got his new deal with Baltimore. You're not going to get a lot of information on Jimmy Garoppolo until training camp. Because it's the type of thing that they're not going to talk about as he goes through with this. I would assume uh, the media is going to do their job and ask Josh McDaniels at his press conferences here. Leading up, which will only be a few before training camp, the Raiders will have some time off. They'll have vacations. They'll come back for training camp. And those that first press conference heading into training camp is going to be really important. Is Jimmy G ready to go tomorrow? Is Jimmy G ready to go this week? Hey, coach, it's training camp. Is Jimmy G ready to go? And if he says, yeah, like I told you, he's ready to go. If they say no, there's been a bit of hesitation and he's not ready to go, then we'll have something to talk about. But now because of the calendar, he is coming through some type of quote-unquote procedure, and they're trying to get him healthy so he could be at 100%. Because, again, Jimmy Garoppolo at 100%, we've seen that around the league. He's a very good quarterback with a good winning percentage and four playoff wins. All those games, he was mostly healthy in those victories. The games that he missed, the games early in his career as a backup, you could start to poke at all of it. And say, well, what about the games he missed? Well, that happens. A quarterback gets injured in this league. I would hope that this procedure on his foot gets him to 100% where we're not having a conversation. Then the conversation that will be really juicy and topical is, okay, he is at 100%. How often do you want to see him? How often do you need to see him in the preseason? In the joint practices? When you go up against the 49ers or the Rams, do you need to see him out there practicing? Yeah, you would. He's the quarterback of the team. He could get hurt in a practice. He could get hurt in a preseason game. But you want to limit the amount of times that Jimmy Garoppolo might get banged up. Banged up, not injured before the start of the year. I think Jimmy's been in the league long enough and is really good on the chemistry side as a leader. Fact, not fiction. Well, you don't have to see a lot of him. He's okay. I didn't have to see a lot of Derek. But Derek and the new system was important last year. The new system with Josh McDaniels. They decided to part ways, the Raider organization, because they wanted a quarterback either from scratch where they could develop into this system or get a guy that can help the young quarterback, which they really didn't do. They got a fourth-string quarterback. We can understand why now. Or get a quarterback like Jimmy G who can fulfill this playbook so there are no excuses. You got the coach. You got the playbook. You got the quarterback. You heard from Devontae Adams. You got the leading rusher in football and a team that had another draft under Dave Ziegler. It's all supposed to mean improvement. It is. This is a 10-win roster a year ago that went to six with five games that were double-digit losses that were mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. So if you think they're an 8, 9, 10-win team, okay, that's average. That's a good team that's average or a good team that has unfortunately underperformed. Now we got to find a way to get this team better, healthier, and have them overperform and you know, kind of do what they're supposed to do, play to a higher ability because they're supposed to be faster, smarter, and more explosive. That's what we've been hearing from day one. 
couple other things that Josh McDaniels talked about. The new kickoff rule. I was with A.J. Cole yesterday. His uh, He came, he played golf yesterday, and I talked to him and congratulated A.J. on his wedding and all of that. And we talked off the record on this new kickoff rule. And I told A.J., I go, this is not for radio. I just want to get your opinion on all that. You might say, well, why, why not share it? Because I would, I would share that in an interview with him. If I was interviewing him, I'd let him talk. But basically about the fact that the Raiders are really good, really good when it comes to the kicking game. They got the leading scorer for the Raiders is obviously Carlson. He's an excellent kicker, and they got one of the best punters in the league. And it comes down to who do you draft now? If you're going to draft players who can play special teams, and then you take away special teams because of fair catches, that's a lot to do with roster development. You're bringing in guys who are supposed to be able to cover kicks and make plays, and if you're just going to kick the ball out of bounds and everyone's going to call a fair catch, what's the deal with special teams? The coach was asked about this specific new kickoff rule today. The rules are the rules, and, and, and again, we have one vote out of 32, and so um, and, and sometimes we, we, we may see it differently a little bit too. You know, that's just part of each organization in football. And so uh, for me personally, whatever the rules are, we're going to adopt, you know, the best philosophy that we can to try to play within the rules. And, and if there's an advantage we can find, you know, to, to play within them, then we're going to try to do it. So obviously that's the, the rule we're going to adopt this year. And um, we're at hard at work trying to figure it out. I don't know all the ins and outs right now yet. Um, in terms of seeing the different questions we had when it was proposed. Um, like, you know, if, if we're kicking off from the 50-yard line, is the rule still in play or is there no fair catch then? You know what I mean? When you when there's a defensive penalty on a scoring play or something like that and you choose to enforce the penalty on the kickoff, you know, is the fair catch still applicable or not? You know what I mean? There's little things like that that I'm not exactly sure how it's going to be finally written. Um, but you know, like I said, there's pros and cons to all of them. There really is. Um, I can see it both ways. Number one, I'd say is I'm for whatever makes the game safer. Um, so if the players, if, if that's an, if that's a play where more injuries are occurring, more head injuries are occurring, more head impact is occurring. Um, I have no, I have no right to stand up here and say, you know, we need to be doing more of it if that's what we're trying to avoid. Um, because obviously player safety and health. Uh, comes first. All right, so that's a long way of saying that they got to vote. They voted against it. I don't know. I don't think the players like this. The players want to play tackle football. They don't want to play these new kicking games where you just kick the ball out of bounds every play, out through the back of the end zone, and everybody can fair catch. You can fair catch punts to begin with. Now you can fair catch kickoffs. Really? That's a big topic today that I normally do. Maybe we'll save that for a summer topic, Bobby. It feels awful summery around here today. Maybe that's a summer topic. But what's the use of playing football if you're taking the foot out of the game? You're not punting. Everyone's fair catching the ball. And now you're going to fair catch a kickoff? Really? Really? You're going to fair catch a kickoff? You know how many guys get jobs covering kickoffs and returning kicks? And everybody's just going to sit around and then put their hand up in the air? Is that entertaining for the fans sitting in the third deck? Every kickoff, someone's waving and catching it, and we're going to start off. Why not just eliminate the kickoff? Just start the ball at the 25. Why bring the guys out there to kick it out of the end zone? Now you're going to fair catch it. Player safety? If you really care about player safety, go back and pay the players in the 50s and 60s and 70s who played for peanuts, built the league, built the league and now have head trauma and have issues later on in live, early onset dementia, go give them what they deserve 
Because now I know you want to keep the league safe, but there's only so much you can do. It's tackle football played by the greatest football players in the world. You know, one and a half percent of them make it to the NFL, and those are the best. We want to see them perform. Kickoffs, laterals, hey man, breaking a kickoff 35 yards for field position. So even the good teams now will call a fair catch, you know, start off in a safety zone instead of maybe breaking a play because they have superior special teams. Now, you would think the superior special teams, you know, Patriots have always been very good at that. They're not going to fair catch it. They're going to want to run it. They're going to want to do some things. I don't know what the Raiders are going to do, but A.J. Cole, I talked to him about it yesterday. Really compelling conversation on this. Hopefully we get him on a podcast and we'll be able to do this. Also, Josh McDaniels talked about the flex schedule. This is important, too, because that Thursday night flex system, remember, you can flex those Sunday games late in the season. Yeah, I think with the advance notice, I think it's okay. Um, you know, again, we're going to play them whenever they tell them, tell us. that they, they changed one of our games last year, as you guys all know, uh, to a Saturday. So um, whatever whatever the, the flex ruling is, if we end up being flexed, then, um, you know, then so be it, and we'll get ready to play the game, you know. Um, I think the 28 days is plenty of notice for you to kind of adjust what you're doing. Um, as long as you know ahead of time that you're going to play in a short week, I think, you know, everybody's okay with that. Uh, and I'd say this, there's, there's pros and cons to both. You know, playing in a short week sometimes is tough when you got some guys banged up, um, et cetera. And then we all know that there's kind of a mini advantage to be gained afterward. Um, if you can, you know, to, to have a little bit of extra rest time and recovery after the game before you play again. So um, pros and cons of both. Uh, fortunately for us, our Thursday, you know, well, at least the one that's scheduled is uh, late in the season anyway. So, um, you know, that's, that's how we're going to go into the year planning. And uh, if it changes, then we'll try to adjust. So a couple of the rule changes and reaction from the head coach, Josh McDaniels. Gary Lawless, the great Vegas Golden Knight insider, will join us from Dallas Coming up in a few minutes. And then Karen Weitz is going to join us. She's the newest member of the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. How about this resume? She's won 14 state championships here in Vegas as a high school basketball coach and more than 700 wins. And she took control also of the Centennial boys team. In addition to the girls team, she'll join us in about 15 minutes. Sent out to the right by Barbashev. Petrangelo, a wrist shot, scores! Alex Petrangelo, first goal of the playoffs. 4-0 Vegas with 11.32 to go second period. Always calling for the defenseman to put the puck on the net. Especially Petrangelo, Theodore, put it on net, especially against this team. JT, back with you. Huge day at the Raiders with the press conference of Devontae Adams along with the head coach, Josh McDaniels. But very important, we get to Gary Lawless, who joins us, the Golden Knights broadcaster and insider from Dallas. And Gary, man, we're excited back here. Game three was amazing. Dirty play by the Stars and a really quick start for the Golden Knights. Walk me through the atmosphere as it got chippy in Dallas. Well, one of the, one of the reporters, uh, Saad Youssef, who covers the Stars for The Athletic, Said it was the most embarrassing moment in 
in his years calling covering Dallas sports. So, you know, I'd have to do a pretty deep dive on that to see if that was accurate. But, you know, you got people throwing stuff. Uh, Aiden Hill coming back out on the ice gets hit with a bag of popcorn. Um, his response to that after the game was, well, I guess everything was hitting me, including uh, <laughs> the 33 shots, that the uh, 34 shots that the, that the Stars threw at him and he turned them all aside. Uh, you know, the Golden Knights, it's really interesting. And, you know, Nick Hague has established himself as one of the best fighters in the NHL. Uh, and, you know, he's fought, he fought uh, uh, Felino in uh, Marcus Felino in Minnesota in the playoffs a couple of years ago, fought him to a draw, and then had that big heavyweight tilt against uh, Darnell Nurse with the Oilers in the last round. And Max Domi, whose father Ty Domi was, uh, you know, one of the top, one of the the best fighters of of an era when the Mastodons were roaming the NHL. The Bob Proberts, Stu Grimsons, uh, Jim McKenzie, you know, guys like that. Ty fought in that era at under six feet, but uh, Max is his kid, and he goes after Hag late in that game, and Hag literally laughs at him laughs at him and uh, you know just you know takes a couple punches to the face and just continues to laugh he was not going to engage at four nothing and let max domi try and get something going for for his team so the fact that the golden knights can take you know the abuse that they took in that game mark stone takes a cross check to the neck that cost jamie ben two games plus all of that game uh max domi uh, takes a run at Alex Petrangelo, gets his stick up. Alex has got a big welt. And then Domi slashes Stone in the last two minutes of that game and gets fined five grand. And, and Vegas just kind of shrugged their shoulders. Like, really? That's, that's what you've got? It's not enough, guys, in that department. So it, 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 while it got chippy and, and dirty down on the, on the ice level and the Stars fans responded in, you know, to, to quote their beat writer in an embarrassing fashion, the Golden Knights just kind of said, we got business to do here. We're going to complete it. And then we're going to go enjoy a day off. So it was, uh, it was an interesting game, but it was uh, full control for the Golden Knights. Gary Lawless shows us from Dallas previewing game four tonight, the play of Marciso and Eichel, especially the passing of Eichel, Let's talk about the scorers on this team and what do you like seeing with the chemistry on a couple of particular lines that are gelling at the perfect time and looking for the sweep tonight? Well, so the Golden Knights have played 14 games, right? Barbashev has 13 points. Eichel has 16. Marchessault has 13. Stone has 15. Stevenson has 15. Carlson has 10. Petrangelo has nine. They've got all these guys that are hovering and Petrangelo has only played 13 games. They've got all these guys that are hovering around, uh, you know, the the point of game place. And that is what that tells you is there's three lines that you, 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 no one has no one has the depth at center ice to try and shut down the Golden Knights. That they just haven't been able to do it. Uh, Winnipeg could do it. Edmonton can do it. And Dallas is uh, is has been left wanting in that area so far as well. And then Will Carrier scores a goal the other night. Remember, he had 16 goals in the regular season before he got mm-hmm. injured. 
And Shea Theodore's starting to, the points are starting to stick to him as well. He's got six assists now. Like Vegas is defending at a higher level than anybody in the in left in the playoffs right now, giving up almost nothing. Aiden Hill's record now is is six and one in 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 seven starts. Sorry, in, in eight games played, uh, he came on in relief. I guess he didn't get a a result for that. But his goals against is now one point nine six, and his save percentage is nine forty. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're not giving up anything, and then they're scoring. And let me just goals for per game. The Golden Knights are now at three point seven one. That's higher than every team left in the playoffs. And of all the teams that are gone, only the Boston Bruins, who finished at three point eight six, playing only seven games and losing that series, are above Vegas. So Vegas is is defending better than anybody and scoring more than anybody. And that is um, the ultimate combination in playoff hockey. Wrapping up with Gary Lawless. So in general tonight, what do they have to worry about? Because when we talked in the Edmonton series, it was clearly stay out of the box with McDavid and Dreisaitl. Do you expect Dallas to be that stupid again and come out and do something crazy early on to get the crowd going? Because I think that's a big storyline. The fact that their fans were pathetic and gutless and showering the objects on the ice, that's a decent fan base in the past. They've seen a lot of winning hockey. I wonder what the team needs to do obviously start fast in the first five minutes and get a go early to get the crowd going because that crowd looked to me like they bailed really early in the third period, and I wonder how many are coming back to potentially watch a sweep. Yeah, well, Dallas for sure has to get up on the board early. You asked, what this, you asked me what does Vegas have to do. They just have to get to their game, you mm-hmm. know, and even if they go down by one goal, they just they need to be real clean with the puck in the neutral zone. Get the puck behind the Stars. The Stars' blue line tonight, we're expecting to see Suter and Haskinen. Suter is, uh, you know, he, 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 he's given up a couple of pizzas for, for the Golden Knights so far. Haskinen is, you know, he's Dallas's best player, and he is fantastic. Uh, Lindell and Hockenpah haven't been effective, and, and Harley is a really, you know, he's a really good-looking prospect. But the pairing of him and Hanley, they've been victimized by the Golden Knights. That's the secret. Get the puck behind the net, behind the goal line. Go down there and forecheck and wear them down, and eventually get get to Ottinger. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that's uh, this game is about Vegas, not about Dallas. It does will Vegas find its that sharp focus that they need and be themselves and go out and and play their game? If they do, I don't, uh, you know I'd be surprised if they lost. Last one, Gary. Do you like the way the calendar's shaping up with Florida and a sweep and Vegas potentially? I know you don't like to look too far ahead, but with the way these arenas are booked in advance, the NBA, the Nuggets aren't going to play for well over a week. They're going to sit there, and we're talking June 1st for the NBA Finals. What can you tell us behind the scenes on what the league's doing with the calendar and how this is shaping up with potentially so much time off? Yeah, if this, you know, if, this series, this series was to end before Saturday night. You know, I can't see them waiting much beyond Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that's uh, that would be my guess. So, uh, if it goes beyond uh, Saturday, then you know, it's scheduled to start June third, but they would have to move it up. I think they're not going to wait till next Saturday if uh, if both teams are done mm-hmm. as as early as this Saturday. So, they, you know, that they they would be making Florida sit. 
you know, if they waited till June 3rd, they'd make Florida sit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten days wow. before they play it again. You can't do that to a hockey team. Not at this time of year. I, that would be uh, that would be unfair. So but, like they're you know they're 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 playing really well. They're focused. Uh, they need to. The, the series would start ahead of that. They would have to. Safe travels back. We'll see you at the fortress. All right. Thanks for having me. You got it, buddy. Gary Lawless. Love love our conversations with him. And I'll tell you, man, um, I got a little bit of a vacation coming up. I always usually take one in early June with the wife, you know, my wife. What she's done for me and my family is incredible. So we're kind of going to be off a little bit here around the Stanley Cup, which when you book a vacation, you don't say to your wife or my wife doesn't say to me, we can't leave until after this game because the Raiders are in the offseason. But I got to get myself into a Stanley Cup game. Uh, credentials been great. I got some buddies with some tickets. Uh, Bobby's getting paid. Bobby gets all these extra games, and that's good for Bobby. He likes working. I like working during the playoffs. This is getting good. This is getting really good for Vegas, everybody. I've been sitting here with a badge trying to tell everybody, get out to these games, be a part of this. That's why we love these conversations that we're having. The the conversations that we are having are just fantastic with Gary Lawless. The numbers and how overwhelming they are, incredible to me. Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Famer, the newest one, Karen Weitz is kind enough to join us. Looking at her resume, 14 state championships and more than 700 wins. Karen, thanks so much for joining us, and congratulations on your upcoming induction. How excited are you? Hey, not a problem. Thanks for having me. Super excited. I mean, what an honor just to be recognized at this event and and to have people recognize the stuff that you've done for kids over the years. I'm just Super happy and super excited. You should be. This is an amazing Hall of Fame. It's a tremendous gala. I'm proud to be a part of it in a small way. And you're, you're, you and your family are going to look back at this night like all the other inductees. It's going to be one of the great nights of your life. I wanted to talk about your career. And before UNLV, track and field and all your great performances and the javelin and first team All-American, take <laughs> me back to your early youth. Who were your mentors and influences early as a young girl to get into youth sports? You know, I think I've just always been super competitive. I come from a super competitive family. So it's it's like growing up, anything we did was always about winning and losing. Um, my mom always teases me. She's she's like, you were always like, you always wanted to be a record breaker. Like anytime you saw something, you wanted to be the best. You wanted to break that record. And I said, I don't think that's such a bad thing, is it? But just, just I think coming from a competitive family, I had a brother that was super athletic. He was older than me, just being around all his friends probably too. It's just. You know, sports has always been something that I've loved to do, but just, just competitive in nature altogether. Uh, Karen Weitz is our guest. So when you're a young girl and you're sitting here competing, you just had the sense of winning and playing fair. I want to talk about teamwork for you and obviously the reputation as a leader that you had. When did you understand early in life that you had no, not only this athletic ability, but the ability to someday potentially coach and be a leader? When did that come about? Well, it's interesting. My dad ran, started his own businesses, um, and I think it, it's interesting because I think of myself as modeling coaching a lot after him, just watching him um, build something from the ground up, just what it took to manage people, manage employees, um, just to have that grind every single day, day in and day out, like, you know, not missing work, um, just being able to to 
juggle, I guess, all those different personalities and figure out how to bring a group and a unit together to work as a team. It's, it's interesting how sports can kind of go along with like your job and stuff like that that you do if you're going to be successful. I really think my dad had a big influence on me as far as how I became as a coach. Mm-hmm. Karen Weitz is our yeah. guest with more than 700 wins and counting as the girls coach at Cheyenne, then Centennial. You built a dynasty with 14 state championships, including eight straight titles. What is it like in the process of building a new team? You know, your seniors leave, you bring in freshmen, sophomores advance. What's the grind like when it comes to this sport, trying to get a team going? And I know now with the Centennial Boys, where you build the vision early on at the first practice that there's going to be a journey because you deliver with these championships. But how do you break it down and tell them that at the first couple of practices? Well, I think with the girls, it's been ongoing. And, and the fact that we're still one of few high school teams that stays together year-round, that really does help us. Like, we have our incoming eighth graders with us right now, and they're already playing against elite-level players. I mean, we, we get good parents that buy into the system and the program of just sometimes being patient. And it may not be everything you want right at the beginning, but if you just, you know, be steadfast with the program, uh, we stay together, we, we, don't, we don't, you know, journey apart. And I think that really helps because just trying to keep, like you're saying, having a winning culture and a winning program together just three to four months out of the year isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. But the year-around process definitely has been beneficial. And, and you know, JT, I, I've had great people around me. There's, there's no way you can do stuff like this by yourself. And I think just being blessed with good people around me has also helped. We're, we're a pretty small group, mm-hmm. but we're there and we're there for the grind and the kids are in it as well. Karen Weitz joins us. A personal question on how you deal with parents. I've been in sports radio 26 years and counting, and, you know, there's always these stories about parents getting too involved, and especially out here in Nevada where so many people are moving to the state. You have the haves, the have-nots. Some programs don't think they can compete against the powerful schools, your championship school, a Bishop Gorman. When you hear all the chatter in the background from parents, how do you keep everyone respectfully and check to let them know you're in charge, you're the leader, and you're going to get their kids better so they can accomplish goals far later in life. Well, like you're saying, that's, that's definitely the biggest part now and the biggest challenge. I, I'm going to say this, winning helps because, of course, when you're winning, it doesn't leave a whole lot of room for people to say a whole lot or to have a lot of arguments. Um, again, having our kids at a, with our younger kids, having them come up with coaches where they can kind of deal with parenting a little bit. Once they get into high school, I, I'm kind of like old school. Like your kid's starting to grow up. I might have, you know, a couple parent conversations. But other than that, I'm going to deal with your kid. And your kid's going to have to deal with you because that's the way it's going to work when they leave high school, they get into college. So we start to really mature them and, and just get that relationship with the kid and then the kid, obviously, with their parents. Nicely said. The Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame, Karen Weitz, as we wrap it up. Tell me about the involvement now with the Centennial Boys team in addition to overseeing the girls team. What type of responsibility is that? How do you fit this in? What's a typical day for you? Well, it's been kind of tough. I'm going to say that because you're talking about night and day programs. You're Mm -hmm. talking about an established program for 20 years as opposed to a brand-new beginning program. So with the boys, the biggest thing is just trying to build that culture um, similar to the girls, you know, we're, we're all locked in together. Um, boys are different because to me, if they're not happy, they just want to leave and go to another school. So we're just trying to find those guys that really want to buy in, you mm. know, to a good system, a good program, uh, want to be part of a winning program and do whatever it takes to win. Um, and not just, you know, understand your role of what it takes to make this team 
in this program, a championship program. And I think we've got some good guys. I really do like it. My schedule every day is busy. Because like you said, I'm retired from teaching, which helps. Mm-hmm. But when you're, when you're locked into two teams and, and having to get practices in and stuff like that and be organized and stay on top of these kids these days, it's a challenge. But I love it. I need it every day. Hey, last one. In 1988, you won the national title in Javelin. What was that like? <laughs> I mean, how did, well, on top of everything you've done in your life and career as an athlete and a coach, what was it like being locked in throwing the Javelin and having that much success? Well, it was, just, it was kind of crazy because I was actually going to school at Scottsdale Community College at the time playing basketball, and they have you give your bio for basketball, you know, like, what did you do in the past in high school, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, oh, I threw the javelin. And, and the track coach read it, and he's like, would, would you be willing to throw the javelin for us? And I thought, man, I thought my javelin days were over at that time. I thought I was going all strictly basketball. So I jumped on the track team and yeah, won nationals that year, first team all American. Like it was it was pretty crazy. And then it just turned my whole my whole career around as far as sports because then UNLV offered me a full ride just to throw the javelin and there I was. It's a great story. I can't wait to meet you as MC that night and be a part of this and for you and your family. Congratulations on this, Karen. It's gonna be a special night. So happy you could give us a few minutes today. Absolutely. I look forward to it, too. Thanks a lot. You got it. Karen White's joining us, newest member of the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. I'll have the chance to co-MC that June 16th at the Dollar Loan Center. Tickets go. I'm telling you, I'm not blown away by many events in town. Uh, going to this event year in and year out, it's an honor to now be involved a little bit behind the scenes, getting first dibs at all these interviews. And whenever I interview someone for this Hall of Fame, this Hall of Fame is no joke. I mean, they got everybody in it from Greg Maddox to Kyle Bush, the Bush brothers, Mike Tyson, Floyd Mayweather, Dana White. I mean, you look at the people in this Hall of Fame, it's very impressive. But you find a story of a woman who's coached 700-plus wins, 14 state championships in girls' basketball here, and she's got a very compelling story. Undefeated seasons, a great coach now taking over the boys. Interesting what she said at the end there, Bobby, about the boys. If they don't like it, they want to leave and go to other teams. And I know that because my sons are around that age. Now, you know, my, my son, uh, who just had a birthday yesterday, I'll get to that in a second. But my sons, you know, growing up in high school and being a part of Gorman and seeing the way they were always winning and then seeing other teams around town looking at some of the other power schools going, how are we ever going to be that way? And now it's 2023 and kids are leaving after a year in high school. Not college. We're not talking about transferring in college. We're talking about in high school. Well, I live in this part of town. I want to go to that school on that other part of town to win. You know, high school academics are supposed to be number one. Academics are supposed to be number one. Once you get to college, I get when you get to college, that's really important because you get a scholarship. But a lot of athletes want to become pro. But in high school, the movement of some high school athletes in Las Vegas, fascinating to me. Thanks to Karen Weitz for joining us and Gary Lawless. Those two interviews Bobby will have up at LVSportsNetwork.com. Remember, you could always podcast the show. People have been asking about that. I like when people listen live. I like when people react live. I do live radio shows on top of podcasts. That's why today I'm a little bit disappointed in the Raider Nation. I've been quiet today. Devontae Adams spoke. I'll make this statement before we wrap up the show. Every Raider fan better get on their toes and watch what's being said about this team. I just looked up during that interview when NFL Live with Keyshawn Johnson, Mia Kimes are saying, Devontae Adams upset with the front office. No, that's fake news. Devontae Adams just spoke and said he loved the team. So they had a headline that they put up on the scroll that looked very controversial. 
right, to get people to look at it. So if you're in a sports bar today or a casino and you look up and you see Mia Kimes and, you know, the whole crew up there and underneath it, it says Jimmy G reportedly not happy. What are you talking about? We just covered the press conference live. Quote, the only guy who does the right job here is Mike Florio, the headline at Pro Football Talk, Devontae Adams. Things get taken out of context. I love everybody here. I love everybody here. He goes, I love the coach. What's the problem? One ringer column, and everybody thinks the world's coming to an end with Devontae. Devontae had a moment today where he could have went right in there and said, look, I'm allowed to speak. I'm not happy. It's not what I thought it would be when I came here. It was completely the opposite. He said things are getting taken out of content used for clickbait. He seems really, really happy. And then you look up on the worldwide leader, and they're making it out to be a controversy. Didn't sound like it. Now, if Devontae did not speak today, then it would be worthy of a controversy. So he seems to be in line. Jimmy Garoppolo not being available for OTAs, not a big deal for me. The big deal is he's recovering from an injury and a process. How far along is he? We will not know. We will not know. So if you hear other podcasters and people putting up fake timelines, they don't know anything. When I became aware of this, okay, when I was aware of what was going on with Jimmy G, I said, no problem. Shh. We're good. We're good. We're good. OTAs, no big deal. Now everybody gets the information today. You could react to it. Will he be ready for training camp? I hope so because they need him for training camp. He's got to get a lot of reps in with all the receivers that are here. He's got to get a lot of them in, and we'll see what's going to happen here. But big picture today, uh, Devontae seems to be in a really good place. And, again, what he said to the ringer was for real. He said, quote, we got to figure out the big picture. The front office thinks this is best for us right now to put us in a position to be urgent. We don't see eye to eye on what we think is best for us right now. That's what he said to the ringer. Then he came in and cleaned it up today and says he loves everybody. What happened in between the ringer and the press conference today? No idea. But I know he's golfing a lot. He's at great restaurants. His wife and kids seem to be vibrant and love this town. And he made that clear today. All right, busy show. Tomorrow, another busy show. I think tomorrow, Bobby, because I didn't hear it because of these interviews, we'll replay maybe four or five minutes of Mad Max. Max knows this is his show. Max driving around. He knows this is his show. So we'll play some of the Max tomorrow. Also, Warren Moon on the passing of Jim Brown. Jim Brown passed away, and Warren Moon will join us to talk about his legacy. Tonight was about the Celtics showing their heart, playing with pride. They did it, and they roar from behind, and they send a message to the Miami Heat that we're not done yet. The final score in game four, Boston 116, Miami 99. Celtics alive. I think they'll win the game tonight. Eight and a half point favorite. Wow. Turn it up. Tina Turner passed away yesterday. God bless the great Tina Turner. The Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. What a life. Controversial life. Uh, Ike, her husband who abused her, she broke away, had a great uh, second half of her career. 
when she was one of the most successful recording artists of all time, Tina Turner passed away. Uh, very sad to see that yesterday when that news came down. We lost Jim Brown again. I've been reaching out to Warren Moon. He's going to join us tomorrow to talk about that. And, uh, you know, tough times. We lost a couple of legends here over the last couple of days, no doubt about that. Busy day today. I know Q's coming up. He was at OTAs today. He was at the press conference there. We have a Raiders roundtable that we were going to do today. We moved it because of the Jimmy Garoppolo news. So now that that settles in with what Devontae said, we'll be doing the roundtable next week. And we'll do a deep dive on what it's going to look like at the quarterback position and the status of Jimmy Garoppolo when we get information on that. I'm just sensing we're not going to get much because typically you don't. You don't get anything other than it's a private matter, it's an injury, and they're just going to give us the minimum of what we need to know. And I'm, I'm, I'm not opposed to that. They're not here to give the information to the other teams, especially Russell Wilson had his press conference today. Sean Payton spoke to the media. The Raiders will open up and uh, play against a very spirited new Denver team. This has got to be the new, new Denver Bronco team before the Raiders find a way then after that to go out to Buffalo for the Buffalo home opener, which is going to be the toughest game of the year, without a doubt, is Kansas City on Christmas Day in Kansas City or Week 2, Buffalo at Buffalo, period. Those are going to be the two toughest games of the year. There might be other games that don't look as bad. That could be tough, whatever it's going to be. But the Raiders, that's why this Garoppolo story is really important to get him ready for training camp. There's no urgency now. I don't think there's a lot of concern. Other people might have a different opinion on that. That's why you listen to this channel. You'll have differing opinions here. But from what we heard today, the offseason surgery, What's going on potentially with the procedure or surgery? That's semantics. Everybody could sit there and debate it. He had a procedure. Let's see how he's able to come through this. I find it unique because Devontae spoke today. I, was, I wasn't on the edge of my seat today, but I knew Devontae was speaking. And that, to me, was going to be more important than the head coach and Jimmy G. Because I knew the head coach was not going to give much of a timeline, but Jimmy G will be back by training camp. Devontae, I didn't know what I was going to get with Devontae today. I thought he was very Raider over the top. Very Raider over the top. Because I think the big picture is he believes in the process here. It's not perfect. He didn't get Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers to him would have been a better fit than Jimmy Garoppolo. But he understands what the organization's going through. You know, go get Jimmy Garoppolo at $60 million a year with all the work the Raiders had to do on defense. That's difficult. And Tyree Wilson, clearly his foot status and his injury, we knew that also. When they drafted, they looked at his medicals, and they were comfortable taking him number seven overall. I got the roster today sent over to me. We'll take a look at that roster. I don't look at the early OTA roster and dive into it too deep, but this year is going to be fun. The undrafted free agents, especially on the offensive line, the little bit added depth on the offensive line, that's going to be a compelling storyline. And how do the Raiders find one more linebacker this offseason? Where is that linebacker coming in from? What team is going to let go of a, of a linebacker where the Raiders can jump in and pounce and maybe get a veteran to put in there with Spillane and build out that linebacker core? Because I like what's happening in the secondary. But the addition of Epps, what they've done in the draft, I like the improvement in the Raiders' secondary. I think the defensive line's easily their strength on the defensive side of the ball. But what about that hole at linebacker and the portion of the middle of the field that Patrick Graham's really got to clean up? Fun night last night. I went to see Billy Strings, who's an incredible artist. I've seen a lot of guitar players my whole life. The greatest. From Stevie Ray Vaughan to Eddie Van Halen. To all of them. This kid 
Oh, my God. He ripped it up. So thanks to my buddy Jason Gathworth, Ross, Las Vegas golfer, Brady Cannon, my buddy Jimmy Gallo. We had a fun night out last night. We saw some great live music at the Brooklyn Bowl. The acoustics were great. Sounded perfect. Probably the biggest crowd I've ever seen in that bowl. I mean, it was packed. Oh, Bobby, the line from the Ferris wheel all the way to the Strip, right to the Las Vegas Boulevard. That's how long it was. So, you know, I always talk about live music on this show, and I go see a lot of live music here. Nothing against Cirque du Soleil. I like live bands and live music, and last night was a lot of fun. So if Billy Strings comes back to town and you get to see him in the region, go see him. He was fantastic last night. I saw Journey last week in Laughlin. That sounded great and fantastic. Jonathan Cain, very generous with his time here. So my ears are ringing. I'm still not that guy, Bobby, that puts the... You know, the, the ear plugs in my ears for a concert. I go, why would you want to have plugs? But I've worked my whole career with headsets on and loud environment and knock wood with the ears. But last night it was loud. It was fun. He's a hell of a picker. I might. The concert I've got coming up next is Robert Plant at the Palms on June 14th wow. with Allison Krauss. That's going to be That's a show. That's a great show. That's a great theater there, too. Uh, thanks for putting the show together today. We really appreciate the guests that we had. Fantastic to talk to Karen Weitz, who's getting into the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. Thanks to Michael Mack and everybody over at the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame for giving us these interviews. And, of course, Gary Lawless. So the Vegas Golden Knights tonight, they got to win this game. Florida is resting. Florida is resting. Vegas needs the rest. Uh, Dallas should have nothing left. I mean, I think they're broken physically and mentally. They're going to come out in that first period, the first five, ten minutes. Dallas is going to be skating like their hair's on fire. If Vegas can get through the first period in a manageable score, up one nothing, down one nothing, one one, I think Dallas will pretty much put up the white Dallas flag, and Vegas can bury them. And then we'll have a Stanley Cup final of the Vegas Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers, and we'll be focusing on that along with the Raider news coming up. Cues on deck with Demon. Have a great rest of the day, everybody. Appreciate you listening. If you miss any portion of the show, Bobby posted afterwards at lvsportsnetwork.com. Thanks for listening to the flagship of the Raiders on a busy day over at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center with all of our shows. We'll catch you back here for a special Friday show tomorrow. Have a great night, everyone.